Hello, welcome to CarCast in Edmonds. I'm Matt, the moderator, Deander, here with Alistair Weaver from Edmonds.com. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Just back from the uh, Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. So I did about 25,000 steps yesterday. and But uh, a hell of a show. Amazing show. I It's been a while since I've been out there, and um, it's been a, a it's kind of a jam-packed week for everything. So uh, I don't know. I felt like I rushed that intro. So it felt a little rushed. Um, it's just because we're really kind of limited on time and we both got uh, a, a ton of other things on the schedule. But I really wanted to get into the CES stuff while it is fresh, um, among a couple of other things. Uh, I kind of want to just start with um, with a post you made on LinkedIn. You were saying that Tesla has recently cut their range estimates on their cars. And this is something that you guys have been talking about at Edmunds.com for a while. You've been testing the EV cars. You've been doing your Edmunds test, which we uh, which we, we know is a pretty fair overall test. Plus, it's an apples to apples test because you take these cars and you, you, you do them all through the same sort of range test. And some cars have done well. Some cars have underperformed. And Tesla has notably underperformed uh again and again um i don't know do you think what's happening with tesla what what's going on with tesla they're they're reevaluating their range maybe this is your fault i can't say for sure <laughs> so it's I, I i fear we're probably part of the uh in there as part of the course but <laughs> if you go back the backstory to this is really this is super interesting and I mean, you mentioned the linkedin piece i News came out at the end of last week that Tesla was cutting its range estimates pretty much across its fleet, about 6% on some of the Model Ys. And I threw up a little LinkedIn piece, I did it like 3 p.m. PST on a Friday. And I thought, ah, nobody's going to read this. And I woke up Saturday morning, like my phone had got, you know, you get those messages like on your iPhone and it says like, like and suddenly like this thing was blowing up. And I think now it's done like 80,000 uh, 80, impressions on, on LinkedIn and tons, tons of commentary. And it partly it was like, why is everybody on LinkedIn on a Saturday? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also showed like how hot this topic actually is. And all I was doing really was recalling our experience and a story that we've had trying to, you know, trying to sort of educate the consumer. I don't want to sound too pretentious, but our job is really to kind of try and provide car shoppers with an honest, open and fair comparison of vehicle to vehicle. And we set up this Edmunds EV range test about three years ago now. And when we first published it, the Teslas didn't hit their EPA uh, range estimate. In fact, no Tesla we've ever tested, and I think there's up to eight now, has ever hit its its EPA range figures, whereas most actually exceed them sometimes quite considerably. So anyway, we put this up three years ago. We got a very aggressive response from Tesla who said, what you haven't done is take into account the buffer. So when your car hits an indicated zero, there's still about 25 miles of range left. Therefore, we hit the EPA estimates. Therefore, can you please change the page? And we said, well, not sure it really works like that. And so we got together a Tesla from Tesla, a couple of Teslas, one that was my personal car, one that was Edmunds owned, and we took a bunch of other EVs, and we all went to a proving ground near Mojave, and we ran a test which basically proved that there was a bit of a buffer, but it varied from car to car, and it certainly wasn't 25 miles consistently and everything else. So basically, we said, look, this is BS. We stand by the story. This was about three years ago, and we were pretty much a lone voice. And then last year, 
Reuters started getting into it with an investigation about how Tesla was deliberately shutting down owners' range concerns, that they were trying to essentially make the whole problem and make all the noise go away. And we actually contributed to that investigation. And then the Department for Justice also started to launch an investigation into Tesla's range claims. Fast forward to last week, and suddenly Tesla cuts its range estimates, and they're just updated on the site. There's no explanation from anybody. So all I was doing is saying, look, this is the story as we've seen it, and it's nice that finally something has changed, and now the figures that Tesla are quoting are more akin to what we experienced in in our real world test. And we've now tested seventy five EVs, so it's quite a big, you know, it's quite a big sample size. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious <clears throat> on what's happening on uh, uh, on on LinkedIn with all of this. Why do you think this is now becoming so much noise? In in a sense, I mean, it's just it, it, you guys have been saying it for so long, and I think others are kind of figuring it out. Um, is it just because? Tesla sort of conceded to it and going, yeah, you're, you're right. They finally kind of admitted that there was maybe a slight miscalculation here. Uh, I mean, I think there, there are lots of, there are lots of issues with the way that automakers assess range. So you can have, without getting too technical, you can have something called the five cycle test or the two cycle test. And most people use the two cycle test Tesla and a lot of the startups like Rivian, for example, Lucid use the five cycle test, which is more complicated, but tends to give you better results. And also, and, and a lot of these, the startup brands are also wanting to promote their results. So it's all about getting the biggest number possible. Whereas some of the legacy brands, particularly like Volkswagen, for example, who was off the back of all the Dieselgate fiasco, is deliberately trying to play it safe. So they don't get into a world where people are calling foul. The reality is the consumer, it's massively confusing. And this is a really important component in whether people are going to switch to EVs or not. How far will I go on a single charge? And the reality is you never drive the whole range anyway, because you never really drive it down to, to, to zero. But you know, this is this is an important component. And so now we've set up like an efficiency test, a charging test, and a, a range test, which is kind of like the holy trinity of what the you know the data points that you need if you're choosing an EV. How fast? How how long am I going to be stopped at a charger? How far am I going to go on a single charge? And you know ultimately how much am I going to be paying? Right. And it's and just it's just it's just tough for the consumer because it's like what is the actual reality? And our test is done in Southern California, and we're very open about that. You know this is it's driving sensibly in Southern California over a mix of highway and urban driving. And we're extremely fastidious on how we drive. We even we even had developed our own software app to control how we drive to make sure that we're having an apples to apples comparison. Where, but then, of course, if you go to Michigan and you go into the snow and it's freezing cold, your range is going to drop. And we talk about this on the site, but you know, it, it's it's hard to come up with a you know a figure that says this is how far your car will go because there's so many factors. When you start bringing weather into it, there there's it's even harder to control that type of test because now you don't know how different manufacturers' batteries will react to all, all of those scenarios. So you really can't do it. So you kind of have to do it in sort of an ideal weather environment so you can just go off of 
the the best case scenario from the manufacturer standpoint, how they deliver the car. To be honest with you, with this Ford Lightning that I have, um, I've been on a bunch of groups and forums and 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 stuff, and a lot of people post things about range. And every time I look at it, they're they're in some crazy weather. Right now, obviously, they're all in very very cold weather, and there's some significant changes in range and there's no real way to test that. Cause now like everybody's in is it's cold weather. Sure. But what does that mean? Is it 40 degrees or is it nine degrees? Right. And then for how long and is the car outside when they, before they drove it in the morning or is it in a garage? Like there's too many things to, to, but there's too many things to measure, but it does make a huge difference. So what you guys can do is just sort of take a look at the most, uh, I don't know the most ideal conditions and then test from there. Um, yeah. It's a sort of apples to apples to apples. I mean, the other thing is it's not just a case of, you know, cause obviously we've, we've looked at this. It's not just a case of saying, okay, if you're, if it's, you know, zero degrees, then your battery range will diminish by 40%. Cause we're all used to going to, you know, if you take your mobile phone to a super cold climate, something, the battery doesn't last as long, but how, or if you ever like taking a film camera to the Arctic, as I have, it's like, you get like six minutes of filming and the thing's dead. <laughs> but the problem is it's all about how the individual car manages its batteries as well and how it manages the the cooling or the, the protection of its batteries. So it's not even a case of saying, okay, for every 10 degrees drop in temperature, your battery goes down 5% because it's all dependent on the individual car. And, you know, there's things like, I know that the Mackie at times has performed worse than say something like the Audi e-tron because the way that it's engineered is different so it's not an it's not an exact science and unfortunately this is all part of the education of you know the ev adoption and listen, but maybe- it doesn't ha- it dirty doesn't help when people are saying oh my car will go 320 miles and then people buy them and it's like but hang on a minute it's only going like you know it's i'm not getting anywhere near that Right. So that that's the biggest thing that we're trying to say is, look, can we come up with an apples to apples comparison that says this is what we would expect to get in the real world? So consumers have got a opportunity to compare with like like with like. And there's all sorts of things like Porsche Taycan's got a gearbox. So it massively overperforms the EPA because on the EPA thing, it's driving around in first gear. But if you're on the highway, the car switches into second gear and yeah, you get massively changes. more range. It's a, yeah. Game changer. So, for sure. Which is interesting because you you need to be able to talk about that and explain why it it beat the estimates. But also, I I mean, at some point soon, we're gonna we're we're gonna have to be having conversations about the not the battery technology, but the technology surrounding the battery in each vehicle. Like you mentioned, the difference between Audi and Ford Mach E. Uh, temperature control things like that like how how are you warming the battery or cooling the battery in certain environments and some manufacturers may do it better and they're going to learn more stuff over the over time so that may be a conversation even something worth testing in the future when it becomes i don't know more testable i guess (laughs) or right now i don't know that we know enough about the technology or the manufacturers they're still learning right they've got to be pulling constant data logging yeah it's 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 fascinating and also the convergence and you know maybe a segue back into ces but the the convergence there of like automotive meets consumer tech is is huge yeah 
because everybody's talking about, oh, you can watch Netflix in your car or you can, you know, you can do this in your car. Now chat GPT is in your car. And so there's just these huge conversions and all the manufacturers are suddenly hiring. I think we talked about this last week. are suddenly hiring all these different types of people. So instead of it being, you know, a guy with a, a guy with a torque wrench, suddenly, you know, you're going down to Silicon Valley and poaching the very best talent to come work on your car. And then it's just an arms race as who can get the best, get the best talent together. Yeah. Right. All right. So you mentioned um, chat GPT. So let's get into CES a little bit. Uh, I think it was Volkswagen that uh, is talking about putting chat GPT in the vehicle. How is it different from Alexa? It's just like, now you're like, Hey, instead of going, you know, call, call my friend, I got some questions, Alexa now or Siri or whatever. Now you're like, uh, write me a paper on the the history of you know the Vietnam or or like it's just gonna do your homework for you like how is it different? Yeah, well, it, it's kind of that, right? Isn't it? Because Alexa or Siri or stuff is, I mean, there are like crossovers, but the idea is Alexa and Siri is more about commands or simple questions. Chat GPT is, as you say, it's artificial intelligence writing pieces for you, and obviously, it's a big um. Yeah, there's a lot of scrutiny on this, shall we say, my industry at the moment, uh, because it's almost like a computer journalist. So the idea in a car is, you know, like you've got your kids and this was actually shared to me. You have your kids in the back seat and it's like, you know, daddy, can you read me a bedtime story? So you ask chat GPT to tell, you know, to tell them a story about, you know, wizards in the mountains. And in theory, it will it will do that. Uh, Or you can, you know, just drive along on your own, talking to like a kind of equivalent, almost like a Wikipedia. So it's um, it so but Volkswagen brought it in in a re- and they were saying it's also like you can have a more of a kind of open conversation about Italian restaurants or recipes in the local area and instead of it and then it will kind of then talk to the navigation system and take you to the restaurant if you wish and things like this. But I got the impression it's kind of early days and it's on it's on the cars in Europe, but there's a few complications in the US apparently, so it's not here yet. Right, although that's. That's not a big deal because, I mean, CES has sort of taken over as the launch of concept cars and features of cars, you know, forward-looking stuff. It it kind of took that over from some of the auto shows. Uh, you know, most of the auto shows we have now don't really have a lot of concept cars, really. Um, there's a few things that pop up, uh, or although they probably lean more like pre-production as opposed to concept car. Um, but I don't know. CAS has sort of become that. Yeah, it's it's huge. And the other thing, actually, going before we chase around the Volkswagen, they've done, they sort of arbitrarily debating whether they should stop you asking certain questions. So we did a little video on the on the Instagram thing that I know you saw, Matt, which was like, "Hey," and it's Ida. You have to say like Ida. What do you think of what do you think of Elon Musk? And it basically says, "I'm not allowed to answer that." And I was like, why why are you doing this? Because, you know, it's like my car. I bought it. Should I can ask it whatever I like? Yeah. And so they're they're deliberately working out, like, you know, are there things that, you know, you you can ask? Can you talk about subjects that are off limits? And so I don't like that. Philosophically, I don't like that at all. It's my car. If, you know, if you're introducing this technology, don't, you know, I don't find a few boffins in Wolfsburg in Germany telling me what I cannot, questions I cannot and cannot ask as part of my, you know, right. car experience. But yeah, it was a bit weird. Uh, and again, maybe maybe that evolves, or or maybe maybe it has potentially some sort of open source format to it, so people can sort of contribute, like a wiki, like Wikipedia, 
you know, because the next thing is going to be like chat GPT is, is going to spit all out all this information for us. And then there's going to be fact checking all the information because chat GPT takes it all from the internet. Yeah. Which right? is not a good source of truth. Which is not generally. really the good source of real information. Yeah. You know? So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you yeah. can ask it to, to to do your homework for you, but who knows if it's correct? Chances are it's not, <laughs> you know? Uh, it, so it's kind of an interesting thought. I, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting idea for sure. It, it is an interesting idea. I think everybody's just looking for the new thing, aren't they? It's like, okay, we've got Alexa in now. He's in a ton of cars. Siri is in almost everything through through Apple CarPlay. Chat GPT, that's the next, you know, the next gadget. Um so it it was kind of it was kind of fun. I don't think it's going to revolutionize anything anytime soon, but it was kind of fun to play with. Listen, and them doing it uh, got attention. They're you know the first to do it, and you know who who knows if it stays or not. But you know they they wanted some headlines at CES, and they got it, and it was a fun little feature for people to play with. So you know we'll see. Where and it if goes you, if you and if you don't know, so we talked a lot on this show about like the death of the auto show, and you've been used to going to auto shows, which has been a bit depressing. CES yeah. is like auto shows in the absolute heyday where like Samsung, I had a little bit of time at the end of the day yesterday before I flew home just to like go and check out the TVs and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And like the Samsung stand, like I remember like going to Frankfurt auto show in the heyday where it was like, you just knew that the Audi CEO has said, I don't care what it costs. My stand is going to be bigger and posher than BMWs and BMWs gone. No way. And they yeah. were just like spending, I think Audi one year spent like 200 million euros just building a stand. And so it just got ridiculous. And it felt like that at CES, like the Samsung booth was off the planet. And then the LG booth was like similar. And then Sony had its thing. And it was all yeah. about transparent TVs, which are very cool. We're getting off subject, but check out, oh, no, check actually, out transparent honestly, TVs. Honestly, I saw that too. I saw the LG transparent TV. And it's just like yeah. when your TV's off, it's a piece of glass and you can yeah. see right through it. So if you have a view or something, you could just stare right through your TV. And then when you turn it on, it becomes a TV. Um, all, think- all the car guys, all the car guys struggle a bit at CS because... You know, cars are interesting and the tech's fascinating, but like when you're up against that kind of thing, you know, the wow factor is yeah. probably in like a transparent TV. Although, I mean, we're probably not that far off from that being into cars. Right now we have our yeah. heads up display. We've got a little bit of a graphic, but why isn't the entire front windshield at some point, you know, a, a screen of sorts, right? Either for the yeah, driver I like that or the idea. passenger, you know, if we're having a transparent TV, why not have something on the screen? Like, you know, almost with hand gestures and whatever, you could just flop around your hand in the middle of the car on, on a screen. And it's, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're in a Tom Cruise movie, you're in Minority Report. Yeah. Or you just, or you just, when you stop, instead of having the screen turn into TV, you could have the whole windscreen turn the TV. The whole thing becomes like a cinema. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's fun stuff. I mean, there yeah. was, uh, we had a, a flying car, Hyundai. Hyundai had a flying. I went to the like the unveil of it. You know, like you've been to auto shows, but like around the world, it's like, oh, there's another flying car. Great, yeah, you know, it's been done in a shed. We'll never see it. But this one's actually backed by Hyundai. They set up this this um like little sub company called Supernal, which has 600 people working for it. But like the interior of this little plane thing was designed by Luke Donkervolker of Lamborghini fame, who now like heads up all Hyundai's design. And it's a really weird thing because it's electrically powered. 
it's like a propeller plane. And the idea is it's a taxi to get you shorter distances. So if you live in LA, you know, you land at LAX, you get into this thing and it takes you to Hollywood. Yeah. Or downtown LA or something, right? It just, it's. Yeah. And they're saying it's as quiet as a dishwasher in terms of decibels. So there's a couple thoughts here. So we're starting to see a few of these things that fall into the category of flying car. And it m- looks more like a drone that carries people, right? It's got a whole bunch of blades on it, you know, helicopter type blades or whatever that's going on, rotors and stuff on it. Um, but up to this point, I haven't really seen a car manufacturer, a vehicle nameplate be associated with the development of these vehicles until now, what you're talking about with Hyundai. Yeah, and I think what's everybody's doing, and this has like been the buzzword for a little while, is like, don't think of us as a car company. We're now a mobility provider. And I think right. it's also because like future-proofing themselves, they're saying, look, 10 years' time, we'll have robo-taxes and all the rest of it, so we need to diversify. And that's kind of what makes this interesting because it's got like Hyundai behind it. It's got like proper investment. They're not a startup running around asking for, you know, asking for venture capitalism. They're asking, you know, this is... This is Hyundai. Uh, yeah. The only weird thing about it is like, is it a flying car? Well, it doesn't drive anywhere. And it's actually really, it's actually much bigger than you think. It's much bigger than a helicopter because it's got wings. So it's a bit like, it could take off vertically like a helicopter. So it's like a cross between a helicopter and an aeroplane, but it takes off vertically and it's electric. Yeah. But it doesn't drive anywhere. So it just hops, basically. It goes up, it goes 15, you know, uh, I think it's like 1,500 feet. And the other thing about it, and I'm sure this will improve over time, is seats four plus a pilot, range of up to 40 miles, which isn't very far. Yeah. I mean, for for the first generation of vehicle and sort of the test version of it, uh, I, I wouldn't expect it to be more than, than you know, I mean, 25 miles on the low end, it's a 25 to 40 mile is, is a little short, but I was expecting, cause it's about, I don't know, it's, it's maybe a 30 mile trip from LAX to downtown LA, but not necessarily as the crow flies. So if you could just lift off and get to a rooftop in downtown LA, I, I can't say for sure exactly what it is, but be a big rooftop. It yeah. It'd be a big rooftop, but I mean, uh, seems like that's enough, enough range. To I get do know. I mean, you like and then you go charge, your, uh, charge your flying car for twelve hours and then do the trip again. <laughs> well, as long as Tesla's not doing the range estimates, we'll be fine. But <laughs> you, you don't want to get, but you don't want to get. Can you imagine like taking off in downtown LA, flying back to LAX? You get a data like somewhere over the four hundred five, and then, and then suddenly like your range gets a bit dicey because it's a bit colder out. <laughs> range yeah. anxiety range anxiety takes on like a whole new dimension if you're if you're airborne yes for sure and i guess i guess all of that needs to be taken into consideration i mean they're they're gonna have to do they're gonna have to limit things to like 10 miles or like it's 10 miles like you can get from yeah. you can get from the beach to you know hollywood you know yeah as, it's in the air and on your 25 to 40 miles of range, if you could go 10 miles, you're, you're fine. It's early days. It's early days. It's, early days. It, 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 it's, it's, it's cool. an interesting idea. I mean, 
out here it seems like a little interesting because we have so much traffic so you'd want to be able to fly yeah. one of these things if it's fairly inexpensive but also it's like we have so much clutter out here with buildings and streets and cars and buildings and all kinds of stuff that i don't know where you take off and land anyway like people are going to be trying to make and and so many buildings are old so it's not like you're going to start retrofitting a lot of landing pads of sorts um and uh i don't know it seems like i think wasn't uber like trying to invest into something like this or looking into the the future viability of this then maybe yeah, they do it in in new york maybe they have like their version of the helicopter short transport yeah i've done that before it's blade isn't it, it gets you from jfk to downtown it's like 200 bucks yeah which saves you like an hour of your life and is quite cool so yeah it, it, it's fun and it, it like you are feeling that these things are getting a little bit closer and they're talking about like 2028 that you know we'll start to see this thing so yeah you know it's fun uh so moving on to honda honda had some pretty interesting debuts there as well yeah, Honda's Honda's like had a rebrand around uh, EVs because, like we talked about before, Honda's been slow to the EV game. They had a little EV in Europe, which they no longer sell, which they couldn't bring to America because of crash tests and everything else. And then they've had this GM-based Prologue, which they're about to launch. And we're driving yeah. it literally this month, which is basically borrowing GM architecture, the Ultium platform but this is this is honda and then honda's no longer working with gm that's been announced so this is honda doing its own thing and it's set up this it's had like a rebrand so you now have like a different honda badge uh and yeah. so this is that's probably a sign of them trying to get serious about it and they're calling it this sort of zero uh zero series which apparently is a sort of double play it's supposed to mean it's a clean sheet of design and there's also a kind of obviously play on zero emissions. But what they showed was really interesting. The one that's particularly pertinent to America is what they're calling a um, this sort of saloon or sedan, I suppose it should be over here, which looks a lot like a Lamborghini Countach. There's a lot of like Gandini wedge about it. And right, but a futuristic version. Uh, a a futuristic, like, I was, yeah. Uh, if you saw the movie The Wraith with Charlie Sheen from back in the day, it's got a little bit, although I'm pretty sure that was a Chrysler, but it's got a little, little bit of that kind of going on into it. It's a little futuristic kind of. Uh, Total recall as well. That's the, that's yeah, yeah. I was maybe of. a little bit of a demolition man. I think they had the. It's kind of that's right. That was, a, that was Stallone, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that, Matt, that's like 20 years ago. I think like our references are getting a bit. <laughs> It's like Blade uh, Runner, Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of that, but you're right. It has kind of this 80s movie, futuristic movie from the 80s kind of feel to it. Um, and then, you know, the front also has kind of this big mouth with eyes, you know, yeah. these, you know that's that's kind of looking at you and it's like a a fish. Um, uh, but it's, a, uh, it's an interesting design and I kind of like the direction that they're going with this. Uh, honestly, I really liked it. It, it looks... It actually, I think, looks better like a lot of modern cars. It looks better in real life, even though it does in, does in the pictures. It's very out there for Honda. We, you know, you know, normally quite a conservative brand. And they're also saying, like, this is heading for... I mean, they're saying that this is, you know, not quite production ready, but this is not just like a CES special designed to, you know, capture some attention that they're, they're really serious about this. So, And they're saying it could be on sale for twenty by 2026. Right. Let's assume so, now they have to add all the ugly bits, like the 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 real bumpers and the mirrors and the door handles and and all the stuff that makes it start to look ugly again. 
A little bit. It's got a license plate on the back and it's got, you know, it's. And what about yeah, the little I, van? They've got so little van. There's a there's a little van as well, which were the little sort of car, like, like like a cargo van. That is not due to come to the U.S. Uh, that was the thing. That was the thinking anyway. I think it's called a space hub. Um, right. Which it's cool. To... The back is weird. Obviously, it's got to use cameras. There's no back glass. You can't see yeah. out of it without camera. The, everybody at CES, well, not everybody, a few people at CES were getting into this game that Kia had. Uh, something called the PV uh, PV five, if I remember correctly. I went to the press. I went to the press press launch, and I, I'm pretty sure it's called the PV five. Um, they're doing which, they, and this this was something that that everybody's been talking about again a long time, like a modular van. Yeah. So you you start with the PV one, and you go all the way through to the PV seven. PV one is like a, something that looks like a smart car. PV seven is like a full size, you know, commercial van. And the idea is that all they're all based on a, a sort of EV skateboard that scales up and down, and right. they you can just make kind a pickup keep... truck out of it. They can make a van yeah. out of it. They could cargo van, passenger van, you know. That and for like ever since it, like the whole idea of a skateboard chassis where you put the batteries in something that looks like a skateboard motor at either end, and everything drive by wire. Everything since that originally came along is people say, well, you can do what you like with this. And finally, we're starting to see. You know, people take advantage of this, and it looked a little. Again, it looked a little bit like Demolition Man or whatever it was. And then, but they're serious; they're going to build this thing and going to build this thing within a couple of years. And eventually, it might be autonomous. Blah blah blah. I mean, at first, it will be a, you know, it'll have a steering wheel. It'll be called a commercial vehicle, and Kia's gearing up to sell, you know, commercial EVs probably to the likes of Amazon and stuff. But a, a really interesting concept and. You know, this stuff is starting to get more serious, you know, probably even 2025 for the first ones. When you when you show this stuff at CVS, you're right. It's a little bit more consumer oriented. It looks like a passenger van. But the reality is, is it makes more sense for them to to launch this as a commercial cargo van and go after, you know, an Amazon as a client or a, a FedEx or a UPS or something, even short range local sort of last mile stuff around town. E yeah, but there's also, I mean, like like Citroen and people in Europe have always done these kind of cool little vans that turn into passenger cars. That I always yeah. been like, you know, like as a little surf wagon or something like that, it'd be fantastic. You know, like a little, like a cool minivan, you know, maybe yeah. up, go up against the, the Volkswagen ID buzz. And yeah, the, the, like we're starting to see some really interesting stuff come through where you're actually taking advantage of the fact that it's an EV and that you don't need an engine and you don't need, you know, a right. ladder frame get, chassis and all the rest of it. Floor, yeah, know, do can, what you like it with it. It becomes very, very modular. And you were saying the lineup is is with Kia potentially. Uh, they have a small a PV1, the PV5 you mentioned, and a PV7, which is a PV7. Yeah, it goes all the yeah. way through. And so you know, it's like you could have an ice cream van one day. And they were they're also saying like this could be a taxi, it could be a mobility vehicle, it could be, you know, you can sort of shape the interior according to you know to what you want. I, I thought it, I mean, it's not the most exciting thing to look at, but I thought the thinking behind it was pretty cool. I, I, I love that they, uh, like all their like, you know, computer images and the CGI images of the vehicles. And they're like, here's the cargo van. And it's in a little warehouse where 
people are, you know, where it's getting filled with packages and it's, and it's the packages are going out the door. There's nobody in sight. There's not a single person. They see the future of no employees in your warehouse. There's like a, a robot dog and there's like a conveyor belt of packages and, and there's like a robot arm to load the packages. There's not a single person. Goodbye employees. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're, we're, we're done with people. <laughs> hello. I, hello. AI. Yeah. Right. It's just all going to be taken over by that. Um, Tell me about VinFast as well. VinFast had a truck, but first of all, what's going on with VinFast as a company? They're they're here, they're around the corner from me. There's a little, I don't know, not like dealer, but a little sort of showroom with some test drive vehicles in the back. Uh, I I'm just I'm just not hearing much about them. I'm not seeing much about them. I I get it that they're they're still new and they're probably going through the growing pains of like a lot of EVs like Mullen and some of the others out there, but. Um, do, do they have a future? Yeah, I mean, VinFast is another one of these with like seriously deep pockets. So so VinFast is technically private, but has basically the state backing of Vietnam. So they have, you know, they have resource and they are serious about getting into, you know, getting into the US market. They did a launch of the, of the VF8, which didn't go very well in that a lot of people were pretty critical of the vehicle, including us, to be honest. Um, but, you know, people said this about Kira and Hyundai 15, 20 years ago, and look at yeah. them now. Um, so, you know, they're a pure EV brand. They are, in many ways, they're into the US market faster than some of the Chinese brands, which, you know, like BYD, which is now the biggest selling EV manu car manufacturer in the world, by the way. It's overtaken, um, overtaken Tesla, but isn't here yet. So, you know, they're, they're trying to crack the market, but unfortunately, because they're all EV-based, they're not coming in at like a super competitive price point. Initially, they were looking at ways of, do you like lease batteries relative to the car? And they're trying all these different business models, none of which seems to really have made any sense. So they're just going up against everybody else, which is a really tough ask, and they've had a pretty slow and tough, tough start to life. And at CES, they showed off... Uh, a mid-sized truck called the Wild, which actually looked pretty good. I mean, the, it was designed, I think, by an Australian design house. And this is, a, you know, there is a market for a, you know, mid-sized EV truck. So, you know, that, but I, I mean, that one of the guys design said, motif becomes a thing for them because I agree with you. I, I popped into a VinFast, the the SUV, the little one, and just wasn't impressed by anything. The, the quality of the interior, the look, the design of the whole thing. And now looking at some of the photos of this, uh, this truck, this thing's cool. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was a good looking thing and it's, yeah, that that's the problem, isn't it? And if you're going to come in, if you're going to come in, like as a new style, you really need to be super competitive on price. So they just haven't been. And, you know, we were chatting about it at CS. It's like, Oh, if we're coming under Rivian, it'll, you know, if we're coming under Rivian, then it'll be like, you've got to be, I was like, you know, they probably know far more about marketing car than I do, but it's like, really? You've got to be well under Rivian. You know, Rivian's like 80 grand or whatever. You've got to be well yeah. under that to, to, to as, a, as a, you know, as a startup brand in the US that isn't, you know, like Rivian's got the sort of like a bit of Silicon Valley cachet, you know, you don't. And Rivian's also got like a pretty decent head start now. So it, it, it's tough. It was another concept that I thought, actually, this is quite cool and feels very believable. Uh, but you know, we'll wait and see. Vinfast has had a pretty tough birth, but you know, they've got deep yeah. pockets and I, listen, they, you know, I they, think they'll ride it out for what it's worth. 
they seem to have nailed it at CES. They got a cool vehicle with a with a really cool interior design. Um, I I don't know how they capitalize on this 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 buzz that they're getting from CES, but uh, but that's a cool looking vehicle. I just think I agree. They have a long way ahead of them. But they've got something called the the VF nine coming out um, fairly shortly, which is a three row EV. But it's like which seven seats, so it's kind of a Kia EV nine. Rivian R1S, Tesla Model X rival, but it's like 80 grand. And yeah. that's the starting price. And I just think it's a really tough sell. Yeah, I think it's maybe even more than that. It could be like 84, 85 grand. Um, and it's not bad looking. I haven't really seen the, the inside of it yet, but I don't know. I just I I just don't know that you can make these cars. I don't 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 think you can get this much technology and stuff into these cars. And expect to make any money. I'm not even saying they're going to make money at 80, 85 grand. It's it's more about how much are you willing to lose initially. Yeah, uh, like the VF6, which is the new like little five seat thing. That looks that looks that looks probably looks the best looking to me. But I know we. I mean, like you know, we're seeing so much of this. I mean, we just bought a Fisker uh, last week, so that's quite exciting. Um, so we're going to be we can come on and talk more about that. So uh yeah, you're gonna have that's to just join the over. fleet. I gotta take a look at that. We gotta go for a ride in that vehicle. I'm I'm you can interested. Try it like... <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm interested in the Fisker because Enric Fisker is a is an intriguing person and he's he's a great interview and I like chatting with him and I don't know him that well, but um we've done stuff with him in the past on TV and, and on the podcast, and uh I just an interesting design. Uh an interesting model for the vehicle. And I like that it's sort of being outsourced to, to, to Magna to be built. So I don't know. I, I have high hopes for that vehicle, although he's more of a design and marketing company, but doesn't mean it's not a bad vehicle. It has the potential so the, the, to be something decent. Yeah. I think the software still got some distance to run, but yeah, it has a real potential. And the California road is very cool. So this is where you touch a button and all the windows the roof opens every window, including like the rear rear tailgate window all go down. Yeah. So you've got like a kind of glorified, like a kind of like a Targa effect. It's quite cool. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about more. I haven't, I haven't even driven ours yet. I think we picked it up last Friday. So um, which version did you guys get? That. Like a launch edition? Did you get all the, Yeah, that's, all the... that's the thing is we try and get them early. This is, this has got all singing or dancing, including the solar solar panels on the roof which are designed to kind of help charge the battery and there's yeah. some there's some kind of it looks cool and there's some interesting thinking around the around the fisker i think that's where vinfast is struggling as well like you can sort of talk yourself into buying a fisker because there's like a few little gadgets in it and it looks quite cool and it's kind of an interesting story whereas vinfast at the moment you know it's all kind of like well it's a fairly sort of conventional suv so either it has to be super cheap or it has to be you know do something amazing and they're not really doing either at the moment so we'll see what's also interesting is is these ev companies these ev startups they somehow or another they've all managed to take someone in charge of the company and push them toward the forefront media wise and turn them into a face of the brand, obviously Elon Musk with Tesla, but Edric Fisker with his brand, um, uh, Rivian, uh, with, with their guy, um, Vinfast doesn't really have it. Um, some of the other companies don't really have it. Like I, you know, and, and it almost, 
you can do it with a designer. You can do it with an engineer. You can do it with an owner. Like look at what, what Dodge has done or, or Stellantis with like Ralph Jills or, you know, you know, like you, you start to push somebody, you know, certainly somebody human toward the forefront to be the face of the company, sort of the spokesperson for the company. Honest, look at like uh, uh, look what Jaguar did with with Ian Callum. Yeah, Ian Callum was probably the prime example of that. A very genius, he's a lovely guy, and you and I yeah. both know well. And and you know, sort of a genial, genial Scott who did a great job of you know of narrating the brand. And then, but you know, obviously that there's also risk attached to you know, as we see with Elon of you know having such yeah, a powerful I mean, figure. There is, and that's an extreme example, but. But yeah, you, you, you take guys like Ralph Schills, you take guys like, uh, uh, even, even like a Tim Kaniska say how outspoken he is now as, as the head of, of, of Dodge, or well, I don't even know what his title is now. He just keeps. Yeah. I mean, Jim Farley has built a big uh, personal profile. Jim been doing it, right. And, and that's a big part of the thing. Like, listen, Ian Callum, you're, you're, you're the head of design. You have a lot of responsibilities, but you know, pack your bags because you're going to auto shows, you're doing press, you're doing interviews, you're doing zoom, you're doing like, you're going to be doing all of that yeah. stuff now as well. And you're and, not really designing much for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's really about put together the best team you can oversee that team the best you can. And, and then you're sort of at the beck and call of your, of your marketing yeah. department as well. Like, uh, I, I honestly, I, Jim Farley is a, is a good example because he is very involved with so much at, at Ford as the CEO of the company. That's a big job. Um, and he's, he's got answers to anything you, you can ask him about that company. He, he's very knowledgeable about what's going on and still, yeah, I, I know people with and, and, and interviews and, and did a podcast, by the way, his second season, I think just dropped today. Uh, you know, busy. Busy guy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty... Those guys are pretty... Not not just guys. I mean, obviously, Mary Barrett at, uh, at GM and a lot of female leadership now. But there is a lot of... You know, they're, they're, they they are impressive individuals. And it's just, you know, the ability to just work and work and work is is is, is phenomenal. Uh, but he's a... I know a lot of people within Ford, obviously. And, you know, his ability to 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 handle detail and to retain information is phenomenal. So, but there's a reason why he's CEO of Ford, right? Was, you know. Right. Right. And it wasn't just handed the job either. It's been yeah. At it, the it, game it, for it, a long time. And it, other it, car companies exactly. and stuff. Um, before we wrap up, I saw a quick thing. I just saw it on the, uh, on the Edmonds, um, uh, Twitter or X or whatever it's called. Um, I saw a bunch of G wagons spinning around in circles. Oh yeah. This happened last night <laughs> on, um, this happened last night on the strip. Um, Clint from our team was was there. He came to me yesterday afternoon. He said, right, I'm going to stay an extra night because there's a bunch of G-Wagons doing pirouettes down the strip at midnight. <laughs> Is that okay? I was like, yeah, <laughs> like go right. your life. All right. Um, yeah, because the G-Wagon has got this thing where I think it like turns in its own axis or something, I, I or whatever the expression is. I, I, I guess it's an EV version. That's what they're yeah, promoting. Yeah, it's the, the G-Wagon EV, and it was on the stand as a concept. We saw this before. If I read it on our social channels, God, probably a year ago when it was was on some event and spinning around on dirt, and they did like pirouetting G-Wagons down the strip last night. So I'd flown home. I was tucked up in bed, but it looked quite cool. Hey, Yes, it looked kind of fun. They had this kind of dance going on, like you were saying, that was uh, kind of interesting, probably cool to see in person. But yeah, just another function of sort of 
the EV, what they can do. If you're putting electric motors, four of them, one on each wheel, you can spin them forward, spin them backwards. Yeah, we, we, we're seeing a lot of this stuff like crab, tank, tank, what do they call it? Tank tank walks, crab calls, crawls, whatever. Yeah, yeah, crab walk and... Yeah, crab walks, tank turn. Crab walk and tank turn, I tank think turn. is what it is. Um, yeah. Again, it's like finally we're actually starting to see... You know, we're all promised that like EV is going to have a whole world of opportunity. Finally, we're starting to see more and more of this happen. So it's going to be a neat. You just imagine that, you know, like the G-Wagon electric is going to be all over LA. You just imagine like on sunset, people start doing that. It's going to happen. Oh, well, it seems like an interesting uh, feature. I don't know how What's it do for your tires? Yeah, I don't know what it does for your tires. And yeah, yeah it's interesting, but... Um, anyway, it was kind of fun to see. I just saw a pop up. I just thought I'd mention that real quick before uh, before we wrap up. So yeah, CES was good. I hope to make it out there. Um, uh, it seems like it was great. I hope to make it out there maybe next year. It's um, it's just so early in January. You're really kind of just hitting hitting the ground running when it comes to getting back at it in, in January. And like you said, you've quick trip for you guys i don't even know if you were there for 48 hours but um, i was there for about 40 hours but it's like 150,000 people go from all over yeah. the world it's uh it's uh it's an amazing it's an amazing event and you know if you're a bit of a tech geek and like i am then it's it's fascinating not just for the cars you've got to build in a bit of time to go and see the tellies and the hair dryers and all the other stupid stuff yeah but it's pretty interesting stuff that is uh i would love to to see more of it the camera uh, kit as well like somebody i did a canon demonstration they took a portrait of me and then they emailed it to me and it's basically like a 3d still where it can like zoom in on your face it's a bit disconcerting. i shared it on my um on my instagram you can zoom in on your face and then like rotate around you and it's like I don't know, 55 megapixels or whatever it is and it's but it was extraordinary so some of the camera tech as well if you're a film buff there was there was some extraordinary things. So yeah, yeah. The Amazing cars were an excuse. Camera, all this camera technology that we already have, and we can't get one clear picture of Bigfoot. Crazy old Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right, uh, Alistair. Thanks so much. Um, we're gonna wrap things up, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, uh, next week. We'll get into uh, get into some more. Okay. Sounds great. Have all a good right. week, everybody. Thanks, guys. Until next time, keep the air and the spare in the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.